When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To a News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal Saints here alongside Justin Barney. Justin, it's a victory Friday. Man, it uh, it is feels good for Jaguars fans. Sloppy, ugly win at the end, but hey, they all count the same. And I don't think uh, you know. I see people online commenting about ah, terrible, you know, terrible performance, ugly win. Hey, but style points don't count. You win the game on the road, short week, injured quarterback. That's a that's a win in my book. No matter how they looked uh, getting there. Oye Aluakin said, gritty, not pretty. And that's exactly what Absolutely. that game was. It was gritty. It wasn't pretty. But you know what? Good teams win games find, just like that. Yeah, find I a mean, way to win. Find I, a way. I feel like I can't tell you how many times I've talked to Jags fans, and they say, how does it, it feels like Steelers and the Ravens, they get these games where they have turnovers, and they just somehow win the game at the end. And then now the Jags are doing it, and people <laughs> – they were like, ah, oh, that wasn't that wasn't good enough. It felt and, like that game should not have been nearly as close as it was. I know Jags, you know, Jacksonville had two turnovers in that first quarter alone, first two f- turnovers in the first quarter all season. Um, very disappointing early on. But, again, on the flip side of that, you give two turnovers, you only give up three points out of it, and you're still up 14-3. to three. Uh, So, again, so a weird, disjointed kind of game, but they found a way to win. How many times have we seen over the years – since even you've been here, Jamal, I mean, we've seen a dozen games like that, and the Jaguars ended up on the losing side of it. So, again, you can't apologize for a win. You saw Doug Peterson in the locker room, how excited he was to get that win. Again, short week, on the road, primetime, injured quarterback, and you find a way to win. I, I don't think it should have been that close with how well Jacksonville played on the defensive side of the ball. But, again, find a way to win. Find it, a way to win. It didn't feel like a close game, but it, it also felt like maybe – we all said, oh, this isn't a close game, and maybe the team said that too, took their foot off the gas a little bit in that second half. Defensive-wise, gave up a quick touchdown to the Saints. All of a sudden, very different ball game. All right, uh, we talked a lot about Trevor. Uh, the knee brace looked so good, maybe he should just never take it off right. again. Um, but uh, game ball, who who was your player of the game for the big win for the Jaguars? Oh, man, that is that's that is tough. You want to say Travis, you know, with it continues to be, I think he had 74 yards, uh, all-purpose, two touchdowns, first Jaguars player to have multiple touchdowns in three games in a row. MJD and Fred Taylor did it before, but um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have Never three games. Never three games. Never three, Never three games. So Travis is uh, in a league of his own. It, it is tough for me. I, I like Darius Williams. He had a very good game. Um, Buster Brown, unbelievable play at the end of the game. Also broke up a touchdown to Michael Thomas in the end zone early on. It's tough for me because um, I, I think I've got to lean defense in this game. Um, man, that's tough. That is, that, that's tough for me. There are some performances. Like, for me, I, I'd zero in on, like, three guys. All of them are on the defense. Devin Lloyd, I think, was playing out of his mind, right. and that's not to take anything away from Foya Lewican. Uh, but those two are playing on another level. Josh Allen didn't have a sack, but he was so close on a couple so of them that it really impacted the play that there's a part of me that said I wanted to go Josh Allen. Uh, but my game ball, I'd go I'd go with Buster Brown. Buster, okay. Um, because I, I said it leading up to the game, and I stand by it now. If it wasn't for Trevor Lawrence,
Lawrence's knee, we would have been talking so much more about the loss of Tyson Campbell and not having him on the field and what that meant. But it kind of got lost in the mm-hmm. injury shuffle because everybody was focused on, is Trevor okay? So that left us kind of eh, not a whole lot of time to talk about Buster. Mm-hmm. And Buster's a second-year player. He was a seventh-round draft pick. Coincidentally, his last year in the SEC led the SEC in interceptions. Um, but he, he played a little bit last year, but not a ton. Yeah. And he's forced into this starting role. And everybody was just like, look, next man up. He knows our standard. He's going to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And he did. In the biggest moment, they go after him, which, perfect game planning. I'd have done the same thing. But I probably, if I was the Saints, I'd have started in the first quarter. Right. I didn't, we'd have, you're going to have to prove you can cover today. But they didn't do that. But in, in the biggest moment of the game, he came up with the play the defense needed Absolutely. in the path. And he had two. that guy the game ball. He had another one of them, too, um, on Michael Thomas. Uh, first or second quarter, pass breakup in the end zone, uh, and that ended up leading to a field goal instead of seven. So great game for Buster. Trey Herndon had a great game. Uh, Darius Williams had a great game. Um, I know Foyer got the big one. I, I would probably lean towards Devin Lloyd. Um, Devin Lloyd for me, you've taken Buster Brown. I'm going to take Devin Lloyd. Uh, he had a play, goal line play, um, it just closed the gap so quickly, I think, on that last drive and knocked the guy out of bounds. Um, so, Devin Lloyd, had he not had the cast on his hand uh, these last couple of games, he'd have probably three interceptions. Yeah, probably. Um, and he is playing lights out. So, Buster Brown to me, yes. Uh, but I'm going to lean towards Devin Lloyd with, a, with an honorable mention to Darius Williams. All right. Over to the fallout from this game. So, there's one thing that I think a lot of people are talking about at this point. So, Thursday Night Football. Uh, Amazon Prime crew does mm-hmm. the game. One of the people on the Amazon Prime crew, Richard Sherman, uh, he had this to say about Trevor Lawrence, and we'll kind of do a little bit of a take here on it. So Richard Sherman says, Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be generational talent. I just haven't seen it, end quote. Uh, what do you think about that? Are, are you with Richard there, or are you, are you think he's just he's too far off to the left? No, I, I can see where he's saying. When you, when you heard the Trevor Lawrence generational talk, um, I think it was easy to buy into it. The guy was unbelievable at Clemson, national championship, when he lose two games as a starter, both in the Superdome, right? Mm-hmm. Um, two games as a starter, um, and you expected him to be almost the second coming of Andrew Luck. Have not seen that yet out of Trevor. So maybe by the end of this season, you know, you throw away his first year. It was a garbage total loss year with Urban Meyer. Uh, second year, you saw that potential towards the second half of the season. This year, it's been a little bit up and down. I mean, he's been a very good player. I think he's been better this year. But I think with the problems with Jacksonville, the offensive line, a little bit of inconsistency on, on offense, I don't think Trevor is generational at this point right now. He's an excellent quarterback. He's still on the ascent. I don't think he's, quote-unquote, generational, the Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning kind of guy. Right now at this game, seven games into his third season. Right. I I don't think we've seen Trevor play his best football. Um, What we've seen right now maybe isn't what people were hoping for from that standpoint. Like Andrew Luck was able to transcend Mm -hmm. bad offensive line play and do different things. Uh, We've seen Trevor Lawrence play very good football. Right. Right now he is playing very good football for this team. That's good enough to make him probably, at the very least, I, I don't think there's much argument if I say he's a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, Which makes agreed. him an upper echelon quarterback. Um, I could make a really good case that he's top 10 um, and don't think you're going to get too much pushback there. Yeah, he was top 10 in AP, in, in AP MVP voting last year. Right. So I, I think Trevor is a very good quarterback right now. Generational is a title that uh, gets thrown around a lot. 
you know, um, I don't think I think maybe it's it's too loosely used. Yeah, and like we're hearing Patrick, it about Caleb Williams right now. Too. Patrick Mahomes is generational. Right. When's the next time you're going to see that right. guy? He is generational, flat out different. I'd be willing to say Lamar Jackson is a mm-hmm. generational talent at quarterback. Now we can get into the debate on if that can win a Super Bowl or not, things like that. But he is different. You're not going to see a guy like mm-hmm. that come around. Often, Michael Vick, Michael Vick, generational, Um, you know, we can even say Aaron Rodgers, a generational talent with the way he was able to control the game and do things with the ball. Um, Where does Trevor fit in that? I don't know. Some guys take a little bit longer for it to click than others. I mean, Peyton Manning didn't walk into the NFL and set it on fire. He was 3-13 his first year. It it took him time. Mm -hmm. And then, even once he started playing well, he couldn't win in the postseason. So that was the next knock on the guy was, ah, well, he can only do it in the regular season. So people weren't even tabbing him as generational at the time, really. They were like, ah, he's good, but just how good is he? So... Look, I, I, I get it. I think generational may be too loosely used at times. I think Trevor Lawrence is very good. I don't think he's reached his ceiling. Right. I think he's still still getting there, and it takes different guys longer. Keep in mind, Aaron Rodgers sat on, sat on the bench for a while, watched right. Brett Favre work before he was thrown into the fire. So uh, Trevor's going to get there. Is generational a word? I don't know. Generational is a guy that transcends the game, who changes the game almost, in my opinion. Like, if I look at basketball, I could say Steph Curry was a generational player because he changed the way we looked at it. Um, LeBron, very good. Generational player because of the talent, the longevity, the way he made people look and play the game a little bit different, take care of their bodies. But there are a lot of really good players that I wouldn't say were generational because they didn't have that same sort of impact. So uh, we'll see. I think Trevor Lawrence, when it's all said and done, as we go into next season, we're probably talking about a guy that should be consensus top five quarterback in the league, which puts him in the conversation with the Pat Mahomes, the Joe Burrows. You and I, I mean, we talked last year. It, mid-season probably, and we talked when they were kind of starting their playoff run. If Trevor Lawrence kind of could get into that upper crust of the top 12, 13 quarterbacks in the league, would that be a success? And he did mm-hmm. last year. He took that step from, I mean, we're talking top 25 quarterback, top 28 after his rookie season. He broke into that mold with his performance last year. What, 25 touchdowns, eight picks in regular season, something along those lines. He made that next step. So that next step is going from that top 12, top 13 into that top six, seven, eight, that the, the Joe Burrow kind of area. Um, and he's not there yet. I mean, when I think of generational, I think of Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. In a sense, maybe Lamar Jackson, Michael Vick, uh, Joe Burrow could be even in that, that consideration. Um, what he did with the Bengals, I mean, taking them to a Super Bowl in, uh, in what, year two? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Trevor's at Joe Burrow level yet. Um, I think he's better than Justin Herbert, um, but I don't think he's in that Joe Burrow kind of mold yet. That's that next step to me. Well, uh, here's the thing. I think some of these guys are afforded luxuries that Trevor hasn't been. And while I like, I think Christian Kirk is a really good receiver, I think what Calvin Ridley is doing is goes beyond the box score at times. And I know people are freaking out. We'll talk about him in a minute. But I, I think that they've been afforded luxuries that Trevor hasn't. Like Jamar Chase, if you say, where does Jamar Chase rank among wide receivers in the NFL? You're probably putting yeah, him in the top, top five. Top five. Yeah. I mean, he's better than – you'd say Jamar Chase is better than probably oh, any, the Jaguars guys, yeah, right? absolutely. All right, Patrick Mahomes, when he first started starting for the Chiefs, Tyreek Hill, right. who, again, is in that, that tier one right. of wide receivers in the NFL, 
and Travis Kelsey, by right. the way. So, you know, it, they were afforded a different level of yep. luxury than Trevor Lawrence, who walked in and was throwing passes to DJ Chark, LaVishka Chenault, and Marvin Jones, who's on the back end of his career. Um, and even now, like, I think Trevor has a, a wealth of weapons on this offense, but none of those guys are, like, you'd put probably Evan Ingram is at his position the most, dang, like, the highest ranked at right. his position of the Jaguars' weapons. Maybe we can start having the conversation about Travis Etienne really being in that upper echelon of running back. Yeah. I wouldn't put uh, Calvin. I wouldn't put Calvin in there, at Calvin's least not yet. good, but he's not he's – not, to the level of some of these other right. guys we're talking about. You know what I mean? Especially because you're getting Calvin after he's missed some time. Like, And that time does make an impact. Mm-hmm. It takes a while to get back into the flow. We probably haven't seen Calvin at his best, best just yet because right. he's still trying to figure it out. But I, I'm, I just think there's something to being afforded some of those luxuries of these elite-level guys um, that's why sometimes you look at the work that a Tom Brady was doing without those guys right. at oh, yeah. times, and Aaron Rodgers was doing at without those guys at times, except for he, then he gets Devontae Adams right. and that you know flourishes into something. But when you look at that, that's different. That transcends. Like what Andrew Luck had. T.Y. Hilton. Yeah. Outside Dallas of, Clark, D- maybe. Dallas yeah. Clark, maybe. Uh, what's he had him at the end of his career? Peyton Manning had Reggie Wayne. I had mean, Reggie Wayne. They, they get these they guys. guys yeah. And I think I think Calvin Ridley's good and could be that guy for for Trevor Lawrence. But when we start talking and saying, like, hey, can he get to where Pat like, especially early in your career while you're figuring out some of the stuff, how helpful would it be to have a guy where you're just like, uh, what, in the words of Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase down there somewhere. Like, yeah. And even, I mean, you're looking this year, Patrick Holmes. This is his worst cast of receivers he's ever had. Yes. He still has Travis. He still Kelsey, has Travis Kelsey. But he's still he's Patrick Mahomes, and he can make. You know, I remember a coach said to me years ago, "You can't win the Kentucky Derby on a mule. You can't uh, make chicken salad out of chicken expletive." And Patrick Mahomes makes chicken salad out of chicken expletive in uh, Kansas City. I mean, he's he's that kind of guy. Yeah. Um, but is Trevor Lawrence to me better than Jared Goff? I think so. Yeah. Um, is Trevor Lawrence at a Joe Burrow level? I don't think so yet. So I, I agree with Richard Sherman in a sense. No, he's not. When when I think of generational, I think of Michael Vick, Patrick Mahomes, um, Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers in a sense. Those guys are generational quarterbacks. Peyton Manning and Trevor Lawrence, by the definition of that, we have not seen a generational type of performance Seven games into his third year. Right, right, right. Really is that good. is that a shot at Trevor? It's Absolutely not. not. That's Absolutely not a shot. Not. Really good. Generational is just a. Is it should be something that maybe we, as an evaluation community, use less. Mm-hmm. I think by definition we should use it less. Everybody's not generational. Like Caleb Williams is probably really good. Is he generational? I'm not sure. And that's not a shot at Caleb. Same thing. I mean, it's just it's just a word that maybe we need to be a little bit more selective about throwing around. All right, Calvin Ridley. A lot of folks are on the ledge about him, whether you play fantasy football, whether you watch the Jaguars. Uh, look, I, I, I get it. Last night he was quiet as a church mouse and didn't get much, <laughs> and I was trying to explain it at times over on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. What the Saints do is, and Dennis Allen has done this for years, the Saints like to double with their weaker corner the te- other team's best receiver. You figure, all right, well, we're going to give you a starting cornerback, and we're going to give him safety help if you're lined up on the outside. So we're going to double your best guy, 
and then put their best corner, Mar- or Lattimore, on your second outside receiver. So in this case, Calvin Ridley saw a double team. Jamal Agnew, or whoever lined up on the outside, most of the night it was Agnew, saw Lattimore one-on-one. So they put their best corner on an island with your second best receiver. Mm-hmm. That also affords Christian Kirk a nice cushy matchup, which he was able to take advantage of. The Jaguars went away from the double team, which is what the Saints wanted them to do. They throw that at you to say, hmm, go the other way. We don't want you to beat. Mm-hmm. You don't. You're not going to beat us with your guy. And so he had a. a people are ready are a little panicked because Calvin hasn't been prolific at right. this point. He he shows up a week. He's maybe gone a week. He's he's not been maybe the numbers that a lot of people were expecting. Probably not even the numbers that Calvin was expecting. Right. Um, you worried about Calvin? A little bit, yeah. I think uh, I think there's something to be said about uh, ring rust, in a sense, or field rust, um, and you were worried about that coming into the season. I think that's why Jacksonville and, and coaching staff said, hey, we're, we're trying to hold Calvin back a little bit. Doug Peterson said, I don't know how many times in camp, Jamal. I mean, we heard him say, hey, we've got we've to hold Calvin back. He's wanting to do too much too soon. Um, and, and I think not having a Zay Jones in there – impacts Calvin far more than people really seem to realize. I mean, your your third receiver is Jamal Agnew or Zay Jones. I mean, that's a that's a game changer. Jamal Agnew, Wallach, very good punt returner, kick returner, um, Swiss Army knife kind of guy. He is not a Zay Jones at wideout. And Zay Jones, to me, when you have Zay, Christian, and Calvin on the field at the same time, at the same time or and Jamal was your fourth guy, I mean, that's – to me, I love that receiving core. I love I, that, that opens up the can and uh, opens up the – I mean, the offense. I mean, Zay Jones to me holds a key to this offense, and um, it allows Christian Kirk to be that slot guy. It allows Calvin to be that outside threat that he can. If you're the Saints and you're having to cover a Zay Jones along with uh, Calvin Ridley and, and Christian Kirk, I mean, I know Marshawn Lattimore's good. He shuts down Calvin, but you got Zay to worry about too. Uh, Zay Jones to me, compared to Jamal Agnew, is no no question. So, um, but I do. Th- I'm I'm a little worried about Calvin because it's taken maybe a little bit longer for him to get back. Uh, get his game legs back under him and, and stuff. Um, but that said, you know, I said on uh, Teal the Show Plus a couple weeks ago that I'm not as concerned about Jacksonville until I see them with that full complement of of guys that you plan on having. I mean, Zay's still out uh, with the knee. Walker Little is still out. Um, Cam Robinson just got back in. What, this is his third game back, or second game back, third game back, um, and he's getting better. So you have not seen this team at full strength. And I don't think you're going to see the team at full strength until after the bye week. Um, and I, I'm not extremely worried about that. So if Calvin Ridley is still, if this offense is still struggling at full strength when they get Walker and Zay back, that's when I'll be a little bit more concerned. I mean, Calvin's had that Josh Allen kind of problem where you're you're active invisible one game or two games and then you're almost invisible the next game. One catch for five yards for Calvin Ridley, that cannot happen. Um, you know, Jalen Waddell. Um, Tyreek Hill. It's not happened to those kind of guys. So I think you need to see a little bit more from Calvin uh, once that bye week occurs and Jacksonville gets that full offensive cachet back together. You know, I'm, I don't know if I'm worried about him. I, I, I don't know. Um, it, it's tough for me to kind of put my finger on it. Part of it, I think, is I think Calvin, when his teammates unanimously say, ah, this guy and this guy is just different, you, you kind of say, okay, there's something to that. I think part of this is is possibly Doug Peterson's offense. Um, when you look back when he was at with Philly, the majority of the time he was there, Zach Ertz, a tight end, was his leading receiver. Only at one year where he finished with a, a receiver that was leading the team in yards, and that was his last season in Philly, and that was Travis Flugum. 
<laughs> so, uh, yeah. And, and keep in mind, he had some guys. I mean, he had an, an Alshon Jeffrey there who at the time was still pretty good. Pretty good receiver. So uh, some of it, I think, maybe is 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 how Doug designs and, and calls plays, maybe some. But, look, ultimately this offense has always been pick your poison. The, you're going to let the other team decide who beats you. Like last year, the Jaguars had to force the ball to Christian Kirk a lot of times. Mm-hmm. They had to – it was either Christian or Evan. Yep. I mean, Zay had his days, but you, when you needed something, it had to be Christian or Evan. And it felt like when the offense was flat, they had to go to Christian. There was no other option. He was going to be the spark. And that's what they paid him to do, but they, that's what it felt like. It was like, all right. And even on some of the days where it was clicking, it felt like every pass was going to Christian Kirk. But now, when you have Christian Kirk, you still have Zay Jones. You still have Evan Ingram. You ha- add in a Calvin Ridley on top of that, who is another presence. I- he was never going to get the volume that, like, a Justin Jefferson mm-hmm. gets. Not here. They just don't believe in, in playing the game that way. So, like, I understand that Calvin said, you know, hey, look, I'm a 1,300-yard rece- year receiver. And he might be in, in, different, in certain offenses. But here... When we talked about it going into the year, we, we I think we even said it on this podcast at some point, this offense is pick your poison. Right. And at times, it, teams, specifically yesterday, on Thursday night, the Saints picked their poison. Well, it ain't going to be that guy. So that opened up Christian Kirk. Right. That opened up things for other people. So at times, like Calvin Ridley, I, I mentioned it earlier, I think he's doing things that go above the box score because teams are accounting for him. And there's also no tally for pass interference calls. Like right. how, We've seen that week in and week out where Trevor does go his way and he gets the flag, and that that's a, a big chunk of change right. down the yard. Well, that's a spot foul. So 20 yards down the field, that's a 20-yard gain. He doesn't get any credit for that. Nobody's tallying how many of these he gets, but it's happening because he's able to create, put DBs in these conundrums of space where they have no, no other choice but to – to grab, so I think he's doing good things. He's yeah, he's doing good things. I'm I'm a little. I, I thought Trevor would be more productive through the air than he's been. Eight touchdown passes yeah. in seven games. I mean that's a little bit, uh, you know, problematic in a sense. But they are getting more out of out of Travis Etienne. He's got seven rushing touchdowns through seven games. He had five in seventeen games last year. So his production has exploded dramatically. But Evan Ingram still no touchdown catch. Still looking for his first one. What Calvin's got one. One or two? Um, two. Two. Um, Evan see. Ingram, no touchdown catches. Uh, Brent Strange has got one. I would have liked to have seen Brent Strange more active. But, again, I I would like to see a little bit more production from Trevor through the air. I'd like to see Evan get more involved. No, Evan's on pace for a career year in terms of catches and yardage, but he's yet to find the end zone. I'd like to see Calvin get in that end zone a little bit more. But, I, you know, I think that Zay Jones' injury is, is much bigger on this passing offense than people realize. He's missed, what, four games? Uh, with Zay Jones being out, the so um, I think that is that is hurting the passing offense a little bit. Allows you to lock down those two guys, Calvin and Christian, um, and you got to go to the other, other options, Jamal and um, and Brent Strange in a sense. So I, I'd like to see this offense full strength before I make any crazy kind of judgments. But yeah, through seven games, it's it's been a little disappointing to see Calvin Ridley not vanish out of offense because you still see him doing much, drawing PIs and um, and blocking and incredible stuff like that. But, yeah, I think 
through seven games, a little maybe a little bit uh, underwhelmed by by uh, Calvin. I'm a fantasy footballer, and I'm trying to buy Calvin on the low right now, just because <laughs> I do think it's going to turn around. Uh, all right, here here's something I want to throw at you because you mentioned Trevor Lawrence's touchdown numbers. So um, Travis has been getting in the end zone. So clearly, three games in a row with two touchdowns. So he's doing the job in that in that dirty work rather than letting Trevor put in the air. Um, while it would be nice to see Trevor with those gaudier numbers on paper, and definitely that would go toward the generational quarterback thing mm-hmm. of these gaudy numbers that people expect it to happen. I mean, even us you know, talking about possible MVP candidacy for Trevor if he had the right season. Um, in the years past, especially, I mean, last year, last year with Doug Peterson, we saw some of those mistakes in the red zone, some mm-hmm. of those eh, bad, 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 bad interceptions. Not good ones. Uh, is there something to that? Is there something to, like, they're saying, look, hey, look, Travis is getting it in, and there's no reason to put our guy into this place where we've seen him make the wrong decision in the past. And that does ultimately maybe impact the final numbers for what you see, but that's just Doug trying to keep his guy from trying to make the hero play. Yeah. Like, I, we saw it. The, the, he tried to make the hero play against Kansas City. Right. Hey. Just hand it to Travis. You right. Know? Don't pull it, and then you go you go outside. Was that Kansas City or, t- or the Texans? Where I think he pulled, it was the Texans. It, it, and he got on the edge and got tackled. It may I, have been Houston. I, uh, it, it was one of the two. Or, they weren't scoring. I tried to block those But out. you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe they're trying to keep him from – save him from himself right. a little bit, you know? Yeah, like, I mean, you saw the – I keep going back to London last year because he, he looked terrible against the Broncos last mm-hmm. year. Made bad just interception. Justin bad interception Simmons. in the end zone. Um, and just, same thing as the Texans here. Same thing. Derek Stingley. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and just not – you know, not that, but after that game last year in London, I think there was a play where you even talked about it last year, Jamal, where the play wasn't there in the end zone, and he just oh, said, okay, it's not there, boom. And that's the growth right there. You saw a little regression early on, weeks two and three, um, but maybe, maybe there is some truth to that, whether Travis is running um, and he's running strong, I mean, seven touchdowns, and, yeah, you try to limit Trevor from those mistakes. I would like to see him try to throw the ball downfield a little bit more. I mean, Calvin's a, a speed guy. Christian Kirk can get down there. Zay is quick. Throw the field, stretch the field a little bit more. Evan is a, a nightmare matchup on a on a linebacker, uh, runs like a receiver. So I'd like to see him stretch the field a little bit more. Um, I don't understand these fourth and inches call when you're in shotgun. Um, I I don't understand that. So I mean, there are a couple plays against uh, you know against um, the Saints on Thursday night where you're like, why are you in shotgun? I mean, may, did it have to do with Trevor's knee injury? I mean, what? Um, you know what? I don't. I just don't understand that. Some of those play calls really, really just boggle my mind. Yeah, I know a lot of people were asking about the lack of the QB sneak. And I, I think it did have more to do with the the knee injury than than anything else. At least on Thursday night. So Jaguars got a win that uh, gives them a little bit of a mini buy here before they get ready for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's been a tough three game stretch, but the Jaguars have made it out with three straight wins, or actually four straight wins now. But the, the the last three game stretch was a little bit more clustered together. Jaguars are rolling a little bit. Next up for them is a big date with the Pittsburgh Steelers next week. We'll talk a little bit more about that on the next News for Jacks podcast. Hey, thanks everybody for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. 